Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. This is a season of predictions. As you well know, uh, we're in the election season, and we probably have been for the last four years, or that's certainly what it seems to me. But constantly, constantly we're hearing predictions about the future. Uh, People who, for some reason, seem to know or think they know what will happen, Uh, oftentimes it's based on nothing more than hopes and dreams. Sometimes it's based on facts. Sometimes it's based based on facts that are not really facts. But in any event, uh, we as a, as a people, obviously, we like to do a little gambling from time to time. Uh, I'm not a gambler personally. I work too hard for my money to really gamble. But on the other hand, uh, it's kind of fun to speculate about the future and uh, see how close we come. So today's guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Daniel Bombinski. He's got a master's of education, um, and uh, he's kind of an interesting guy, and I'm going to give you a little bit of his bio before we talk to him. Uh, He spent about 30 years as an executive management coach, corporate trainer. Uh, He worked with workplace issues. Uh, He consulted on that. But in the last year or so, God has placed me, placed him in a different on a different trajectory, uh, and that's really kind of interesting to me uh, uh, as well because uh, God has been active in in my life and in the lives of many of our listeners. Uh, so Daniel Bobinski felt that he was called by God to move into writing and speaking about the issues that are facing our country today. Uh, he feels that it was a pretty, a pretty strong call, and, uh, and so he has taken that upon himself to do exactly that. So his background as a behavioral analyst and motivational analyst helps him to interpret what's going on in the political workplace. And so that is why he is a guest on Freedom Forum Radio today, and because I read an article that he wrote that was entitled Seven Predictions, How 2020 Comes to an End. So, Daniel Bobinski, welcome to Freedom Forum Radio. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. 
Well, I'm glad you're here. And, uh, and America, just to paraphrase some of the things that you've written to me, I mean, and something that we all agree on, that America really is uh, on a crossroads. Uh, why don't you help define for my listeners how you see that crossroads? What are the elements and how do you see, how, what are the elements of those crossroads? What, what should we be looking for uh, when it comes to understanding that? Well, I think the, the elements uh, involve uh, ideology versus principles. Those are probably the two key elements that are affecting uh, the entire country at this time. Uh, my belief is that our political left has moved and fully embraced uh, the Marxist ideology, uh, which is, you know, by definition, the, the science of ideas. Uh, they have this great idea that, unfortunately, no matter where it's been tried, it has um, failed horribly uh, with deaths of millions of people. Uh, on the political right, you have principles. Uh, our founders sat down with uh, you know, very learned men, and they examined all the, the governments throughout history, and they looked at the principles that were used, and they chose what they feel were the best, what they felt were the best, and they put together, I think, the best government the world has ever seen. And uh, so when we talk about being a conservative, uh, I always say we're trying to conserve the principles upon which our government was founded. So really, it's, it's, the, it's the ideology versus the principles. And, and that's really how most of us do see it as well, whether we call it exactly those terms or not. Uh, but there's no question that collectivism is an ideology. But to me, collectivism, collectivism itself is not really an ideology for the collectivists. We have a saying, and I've said it many times, written it many times, and that is socialism is for the people, not the socialists. And to me, I think what we have seen in, in socialism and, and governments and countries that have adopted uh, socialism, or as I prefer to say, collectivism, uh, what we really see, it's just another means for a ruling class to develop into a tyrannical ruling class and that results in misery uh, and worse uh, for the people themselves. Is that how you would see it? Uh, I would definitely see it that way, yes. I mean, I've, I've um, as you mentioned, I've got my master's and I'm, I've done all my coursework except for my dissertation on my PhD, and I'll, I'll never forget sitting in a class, and here's one of my professors uh, telling us that we are the elite, and I kind of had to, you know, put my jaw back in place and pop my eyes back in their sockets. I was like, what do you mean we're the elite? And she said that, well, who else gets the level of education that we do? There's only like six or seven of us in this room, and, and we are the, nobody reaches these levels except a select few. And that is the mentality of, I wholeheartedly believe, uh, especially when you look at how many Marxists are in the university systems, uh, that is their mindset that they are the elite, that they know better than us, that they can make the decisions for us peasants uh, for how we should live. So, yes, it's a division thing. You know, and that's really what has been present on Earth for centuries and centuries, is that uh, 
the ruling class, no, no matter how they were defined, you know, throughout history, has really felt themselves to be the elite, has felt themselves to be uh, that this is something that was owed them for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, if I had been uh, a peasant under uh, uh, some king or feudal king in the Middle Ages, I don't know if I'd have felt that they deserved to be where they were, where they were. But nevertheless, that was the facts of life on Earth for centuries and centuries. And personally, I don't really think it's different right now. Do you? No, I don't. Uh, it's just they've, they've changed the terminology, but it's much the same. So we have uh, we have an ideology that we're battling, and we're battling it with principles. What do you see those principles as being, the principles of our founders, the founding documents? Of course, the founding documents being the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. What do you see as the principles uh, that those documents enshrine? Well, first and foremost, that's a great question. First and foremost is answering the question, who is God? Uh, 52 of the 56 signers of the Declaration were ardent Christians, um, and they all understood that uh, God is the relational, righteous ruler of the universe, and they were therefore accountable to him. In fact, that was James Madison, while um, sitting as president, uh, I'm sorry, no, it was John Adams, while he was a sitting president, wrote the uh, militia in Maine and told them that our Constitution was written for a Christian and moral people. It's wholly unsuitable for the government of any other. And so that's the very first question that we need to ask is, is who is God? When you look at the ideology side of things, the Marxists, they don't believe in God. So therefore, by default, their God is either man or the state. And as we've just discussed, it's going to be the elite in the state. And that's who the God is. And, and, that the answer to that question informs every other aspect of our worldview, from ethics to philosophy to psychology. All those things are impacted by how we answer the question, "Who is God?" And that, to me, is the key foundational. So, I understand that, and I, of course, agree with that, not uh, only personally, but from a historical point of view. Uh, there was no question that uh, our founders relied heavily on their belief in God. Uh, and so if you start with that as your foundation, which is certainly right, right, right to do, uh, where do you go from that in terms of the principles on which our nation were founded? Well, um, to me, it is, uh, as I read it, it is the people, that the people are the rulers, and that, that we have the ability to uh, set our own lives the way we should, way we should go. And um, it's, uh, William Federer has some great information on this, that all governments throughout history uh, have always had a king whether you call it a sultan or an emir or a premier, uh, it's always a king. 
And in America, it's no different. It's the people. So the, the, it's the self-government, and it's as government of, by, and for the people. The problem that I think that we've encountered is that a lot of people have not remembered, they've forgotten, that with the rights that everybody wants comes the responsibility to know how decisions are made and, and what the factors need to be considered in a decision. And that means staying involved in the government. If we're going to have government of, by, and for the people, then the people need to be involved in their government. And I think a lot of people have become fat, dumb, and happy. And, uh, you know, I go back to uh, the when Bill Clinton was debating a, a town hall, he's in a town hall with uh, George H.W. Bush. And one of the people in the audience asked Bill Clinton the question, what are you going to do for us? And it's like, whoa, what a paradigm. What an, what an, uh, uh, an ill-conceived paradigm that we should be looking at government as to what they're going to do for us. And that is a principle that should not be in our society, yet is. So I think uh, the principle of, of self-responsibility is, is paramount when it comes to self-government. Well, that's an interesting point that you raise. I mean, certainly when you talk about uh, Bill Clinton and the entire Clinton family, uh, their only desire was to feather their own nest at the expense of anyone else. Uh, they had absolutely no desire to do anything that was right for the people unless it uh, garnered them votes to remain in power so they could continue to rape and pillage, so to speak, uh, sometimes literally, perhaps. Uh, and so the Clintons are an excellent example of the arrogant ruling elite uh, which you spoke about and which we speak about very often. And the, those are, that's the enemy. Uh, when it comes back to principle, uh, you're, you kind of hit around uh, something that I think is very important. Um, and that is what I call uh, and what is referred to as uh, natural law rights, the, the laws of nature and nature's law, which is mentioned, of course, uh, multiple times in the in the uh, Declaration of Independence. It was on the lips of our founders. Uh, and what that means is by dint of your birth, you do have rights as an individual. Uh, and that's really what the basis of our entire uh form of government and our society is natural law rights and the responsibility to take uh, to be accountable for our actions i wholeheartedly agree you know one of the things that um my wife and i have discussed at length over the years is that um when people ask us what kind of faith we follow or whatever, we, we describe ourselves as we are ambassadors for God. We're ambassadors for Christ. And, and you, you think about the word ambassador. Um, we send out, our country sends out ambassadors to other countries. And the role of that ambassador, the, the responsibility of that ambassador, is to represent the United States. And those ambassadors don't call the White House every morning and say, what am I supposed to do today? They know that they're supposed to represent the United States to the best of their ability. 
and that makes that means making wise decisions and not making rash decisions. So, um, you know, oftentimes in scripture, um, you know, we see do where God's telling people do what your hands find to do. When, in, in the Old Testament, when, God, when God's talking to, to kings, do what your hands find to do, and, and that really applies, I think, as an ambassador, do what your hands find to do, but keep in mind you're an ambassador. And that's, that really is a good way that my wife and I use as we go through the day, uh, that we are ambassadors and we, we need to be choosing wisely uh, what we're doing. That really comes down to how you treat other people, uh, and that obviously is extremely important. Uh, it's, you have, you have uh, responsibilities inside of yourself. If you are going to be a free person, uh, you have to take responsibility for your actions. As a matter of fact, I often have spoken about the coin of freedom. The coin of freedom has two sides. One side is free will. But the other side is is personal responsibility, and that really is an individual package. Uh, and then when you relate that out to society as a whole, don't you think it's important uh, that we obey the golden rule that we do unto others as we would have them do unto us? I mean, isn't that really the basis of civil society? Oh, absolutely. I mean. I mean, you think about you know what I mentioned earlier from John Adams that our our, our form of government is for a Christian and moral people, um, and I recall over thirty years ago I, I was praying one day and I said, okay, God, uh, what there's six hundred and thirteen laws, uh, what are the ones that I should be following? And I was led to uh, you know lo- what when they, the lawyers were trying to trap. Uh, Jesus, and they get the gotcha question, right? What's the greatest commandment? And normally when someone asked uh, Christ the question, he would kind of give a sideways answer, but he answered this question straight on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he tacked on, uh, and, and by the way, he didn't even... Uh, nobody asked him what's the second greatest commandment. He volunteered that, and and then he said something that answered my prayer. All the law and all the prophet, all the prophets hang on these two commands. And when you you know you look up, it's unfortunate you look up. You know, yes, um, yes, Jesus. Well, how do we show that we love you? And he says, obey my laws. And then, well, what's the laws? Well. Love me, right? So, so how, how do you how do you do this? Thankfully, Paul gives us First Corinthians thirteen verses four through seven, and all those words are verbs, <laughs> things we need to do. And so, when I you know teach on this, um, it's so you know be patient. God's always our example, but you know patient with God, patient with my neighbors, and patience with myself receiving that patience from the Holy Spirit, and it makes it so much easier to go through our lives when we can just follow those simple do's and or some don'ts in that section. And I always tell people, nature abhors a vacuum. So if it says love doesn't do something, well, then figure out what the antithesis is. And what is it? If love's not rude, then what is it? Oh, it's probably polite. Okay, then be polite. And if I can do those things with my neighbors, and myself, 
then I'm living out the greatest commandment and I'm able to exercise that golden rule. Absolutely. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. People, I just love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I played the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything